Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to Fort McMurray Matters. I'm your host, Ryan McNally. Uh, we have a couple of guests here on the show today. Andrea Sandmeyer, the president of the Otipiswak Métis government, will be joining the show to talk about uh, three topics. The Alberta Court of Appeals decision earlier this month on all the Alberta government's duty to negotiate with the Métis government, as well as Federal Bill C-53 uh, being adopted by the Standing Committee on Indigenous and Northern Affairs, as well as Bill C-92 uh, and the progress with that bill. We also hear from Member of Parliament for Fort McMurray Cold Lake, Layla Goodridge, who is issuing comments regarding the recent comments from uh, Stephen Gilbo, the Environment Minister for the Government of Canada, that the federal government will no longer be uh, chipping in on large road projects. And whatever that may mean, we'll hear more from Layla Goodridge later on in the show. Joining me on the phone here today is Andrea Sandmeyer. She's the president of the Otipimswak Métis government. Andrea, how are you doing here today? I'm very well. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to you as well, Andrea. Thank you so much. Uh, I wanted to get uh, your thoughts on a couple of different topics here today. Uh, first things first, though, uh, what are your thoughts on the Alberta Court of Appeals decision earlier this month regarding the Alberta government's duty to negotiate with the Otipimswak uh, Métis government? Well, you know, this um, decision is, you know, doesn't make us all that happy, but we, you know, we are looking to um, to move it forward with, uh, you know, taking leave to their Supreme Court, so we will be doing that. Um, we have, you know, had our ups and downs with the Alberta government, but we, you know, we look forward to getting back to the table with Alberta on on these on this issue and and other issues as well so that answers question two that you will be appealing uh, this decision so what goes into that process well i'm not a lawyer but (laughs) we have um we know we have our legal team working on that right now so um we will be taking it to um applying to to take it to the supreme court of canada so how does this uh decision impact uh, your government's operations um it, it as far as our operations go it does not impact our operation um operations at, at all um what it does impact is you know the um our rights uh, and the duty to consult and i understand there's some precedence with this case uh, dating back to uh, daniels versus canada in 2016 I'm wondering if you wanted to talk about that at all. Well, the Daniels case in 2016 um, went to the highest court, um, in, and it recognized that governments have a duty to negotiate with the Métis. Um, so the decision by the Alberta Court of Appeal means we need to keep fighting for that. Is it kind of discouraging that, uh, you know, eight years later, it's a similar, it's a similar fight with the Alberta government? 
it is discouraging, but we're, you know, we're positive that we can move forward with some reconciliation with Alberta. Five years of negotiations. Uh, that's a long time uh, just to walk away from the table with no real path forward. Uh, what's your ask of the Alberta government? To turn a page and, and come to the table to um, discuss these important issues and Métis rights in Alberta. Is, is it a little concerning, Andrea, that uh, the Alberta government is not negotiating or even really consulting with the Métis government that represents over 65,000 people? It is concerning, and, and like the Daniels case um, decision, it you know they do have a duty to consult. It, it, the Supreme Court said that in 2016 in Daniels versus Canada. So aside from the, the appeal to the Supreme Court, what are the next steps uh, for the Métis government? Well, we are you know, very pleased that um, C-53 has been adopted by the INAN committee and will be going for third reading shortly. Um, you know, we're very thankful to the hundreds of Métis citizens who took the time to submit written briefs, attend in person, and watch the committee hearings online um, and all the support that they, they gave to, to us. Yeah, switching gears on that uh, note, uh, the Standing Committee on Indigenous and Northern Affairs adopted Bill C-53. Uh, what does that really mean for the bill? Well, now the, the bill moves through the, the process of going to third reading. Once it's passed at third reading, then it will go on to the Senate. Um, and they have a process uh, at the Senate as well. Um, once it passes through the Senate, then it will have royal, royal assent. So how encouraging is it for your government uh, for that to be the case? Well, we're one step closer to realizing the dreams of our Métis ancestors and achieving self-determination for Métis here, here in Alberta. And uh, what are some important things to remember uh, with Bill C-53, uh, particularly when it comes to uh, treaty rights? So... The legislation, Bill C-53, is about our governance structure. It is, it is about the Métis Nation of Alberta, about our governance structure, our election process, and, of course, about our, our children. And how will uh, Bill C-53 benefit uh, Métis people in the long run here? Well, you know, we have had lots of ups and downs throughout the years um, with, you know, the, um, in 1982 with the Constitution and then the Powley case and Daniel's case and we, this bill is set into law that we, you know, we are a recognized government. We've known for a very long time that we are a government and this just solidifies that. So maybe talk about the process Bill C-53 has had to go through to even just get to this point. Well, the bill was, was co-developed with the Métis Nation of Alberta, Métis Nation of Saskatchewan, and Métis Nation of Ontario, and it was introduced um, into the House last June, um, and then the I-9 Committee started uh, their process in October, and now here we are, um, um, middle of February, and a couple weeks ago, it um, moved through the I-9 committee, and, and like I said, now goes on to third reading. The process itself has been, you know, it has ha been very difficult for um, the citizens um, because, of course, they've been very engaged, and it's, you know, there has been some, um, you know, hurtful comments um, 
But again, you know, we're resilient people, so we, you know, we're moving on. Uh, would you like to address any of those uh, hurtful comments made about uh, this bill? No, I don't think at this time there's that. That's not necessary. So, uh, what are your government's uh, next steps uh, with this bill? Are you just uh, kind of hanging, hanging tight, and uh, watching this process uh, in Ottawa? Well, you know, we never really hang tight. We're always, you know, <laughs> doing the work that we need to do and um, looking at, you know, meeting meeting with senators and, um, you know, moving forward, meeting with MPs to talk about the bill um, before it goes to the third reading for the final vote um, in the House. Anything else you'd like to add on Bill C-53? I, you know, I'm I'm happy that we've moved on to this stage, and I, I look forward to um, the day that it gets royal assent and um, the day we will celebrate. Stick around. We'll have more from Andrea Sandmeyer after the break on Fort McMurray Matters. Welcome back to Fort McMurray Matters. We have more from our conversation with Andrea Sandmeyer coming up. Switching gears a bit here, uh, what's your response to the Supreme Court of Canada's decision on Bill C-92? We are elated. Um, you know, this um, C-92 in the, in the um, Supreme Court's um, decision, you know, affirms that we have a right to um, take care of our own kids um, and our youth, and we're, we're very happy about that. We, you know, are already here in Alberta working on a model of care and um, our children's authority. So we're going through that process and we're very excited to continue that process. Um, you know, we're looking forward to offering our families um, distinctions-based programming um, and we're very much looking forward to reclaiming our children. Yeah, maybe just describe a little bit about what uh, Bill C-92 is uh, for people who uh, may not know. Well, C-92 is an act respecting First Nation, Inuit, and Métis children, youth, and families. Um, so it, you know, again, gives us jurisdiction in relation to children and family services, including legislative authority in relation to those services and authority to administer and enforce laws made under legislation, legislative authority. So we here um, with an AT Nation of Alberta, we have a C92 advisory committee made up of some wonderful um, humans that have worked in children and family services for many years, and of course um, our director and her team here um, at the Métis Nation of Alberta. So they are working on that model of care right now and, um, and our authority and our law around children and family services. This might be the easiest question to ask you during the, uh, this interview, Andrea. Uh, do you feel this is a step in the right direction? Definitely. This, you know, the Supreme Court with the, their unanimous decision in upholding um, C-92 is reconciliation in action. I understand this bill uh, has some extra meaning for you. Uh, what does this bill mean for you personally? Well, I have, I was actually, when I was vice president um, under our old governance structure in, in Region 2, which is Cold Lake, Bonneville, St. Paul, Lloydminster, I actually sat on that C92 committee. Um, so 
it does mean a lot to me that we will be able to reclaim our children and protect our children and youth. Are there any barriers or challenges you anticipate encountering during the implementation process? Uh, And if so, uh, how do you plan to address them? Well, I think now with the Supreme Court ruling, I don't, you know, I don't foresee that we will have any roadblocks. It firmly, you know, the the Supreme Court ruling firmly states that C-92 is, um, is, it's it's affirming that it's our inherent right. And uh, how does your government uh, plan to advocate uh, for adequate funding, either provincially or federally, uh, to support the implementation of Bill C-92 with uh, culturally appropriate services? So part of C-92 um, and the process with Canada is to negotiate um, with um, Canada and Alberta in a in a. a tripartite table, I think that's what you would call it. So, you know, all three um, governments would sit down and and work out that. And looking ahead, uh, what are the key priorities in relation to Bill C-92 and uh, how do you plan to advance those uh, priorities uh, for your government? Well, our priorities right now are we, you know, we... um, have just the the team the team is just finishing up a what we heard reports because they did go out last spring and summer to community and talk to citizens who have either been in care or have been foster parents or have worked for family services and we're wrapping that up and then they will be going out again um, I believe this spring summer to talk to citizens again because we do believe you know in engaging our citizens on everything that we do so they will take a look at our model of care and you know we'll just continue um, working towards our own authority that process take it does take a bit because we, we have to make sure that we're we have everything um, in order before we um, flip the switch. <laughs> awesome, Andrew. Anything else you'd like to add on Bill C ninety two today? You know, I just want to uh, say again that you know I applaud the current federal government in advancing the act with the Métis Nation and other Indigenous people, and that the decision. Um, confirms that this type of collaboration with us is the way forward in advancing reconciliation. Well, Andrew, thank you so much uh, here for your time here today uh, and uh, chatting about, about uh, you know, three separate uh, things that, uh, you know, involve the Otimpsawak uh, Métis government. You're very welcome. When we come back to Fort McMurray Matters, we'll hear from the Member of Parliament for Fort McMurray Cold Lake, Layla Goodridge, next on the show. And welcome back to Fort McMurray Matters. I'm your host, Ryan McNally. Joining me on the phone here today is Layla Goodridge. She is the Member of Parliament for Fort McMurray Cold Lake. Uh, Layla, how are you doing here today? I'm doing well, but I'm a bit nervous about the newest announcement that's just come out from our eco-activist environment minister, Stephen Guibault. I was going to ask you about that announcement, uh, Layla, and uh, also, yeah, had you on the on the phone here earlier this week, uh, so, uh, you know, uh, definitely didn't think uh, it'd be such a short turnaround to get you back on Fort McMurray Matters here, but, uh, you know, had to ask about this uh, announcement that uh, Stephen Gilbo will stop investing in new road infrastructure. It's extreme and divisive. I am shocked that this is what uh, this government has decided to do. 
Uh, but unfortunately, uh, it's, I'm not surprised. This is an eco-activist um, this is an absolute eco-activist minister who, before he was elected, um, climbed onto the roof of Alberta's Premier Ralph Klein's house and scared the living daylights out of his wife um, to make a point. He also scaled the CN Tower where he got arrested. I think a bunch of people are familiar with his orange jumpsuit as a result of that. He also got arrested at one point for uh, chaining himself up to a coker on its way up to the Fort McMurray region. And this is, this is so far down this eco-activist agenda and absolutely needs to stop. We need roads to get people and goods around this country. And it's so completely out of touch with rural Canada and Canadians in general. And, you know, I've, you know, heard the quote that uh, Stephen Gilbo would like people to drive more electric vehicles, but don't they need roads to drive on? Yeah. The last time I checked, um, in fact, EVs uh, actually do require roads. It's kind of funny, and this is this goes right in the face of uh, some of the priorities that have been advocated in our region, including the recent um, announcement from the provincial government on working on Highway 686 to go west from Fort McMurray towards the Peace Region. And these are pieces that are going to improve safety, improve economic uh, viability, and are just in general absolutely required. And it just shows how completely out of touch and out of tune this government is. Uh, He's since uh, pulled back his remarks, uh, apparently saying that uh, they won't put up uh, cash for large road projects. Uh, How do you define that? Well, I think this is exactly the bait and switch that they're trying to do. He said the quiet part out loud. And frankly, this is precisely why we can't trust um, the Liberal NDP coalition to continue governing our country. Because if given power and given another four years, this is exactly what they would do. Uh, the the have not provinces require the most help with road infrastructure, yet uh, they're also less likely to afford EVs. Does this have uh, the potential to actually prolong the use of gas vehicles and SUVs? Well, I just think it is it is a ridiculous policy that was clearly just cocked up by uh, people that would rather everyone ride their bikes or horseback to work and doesn't take into account the hundreds of thousands of Canadians that need to drive to get to school, that need to drive to go to work, that need to drive to go to the hospital, that need to drive to to do all kinds of things. And the fact that we still need vehicles to bring food to Fort McMurray, like I don't understand how, and, and they haven't defined what large is. This is, this is insane on so many levels, it's hard to start picking a lane. Uh, although they want us to just not, I guess, have any lanes. So what will your party do in the face of this legislation? Well, it's clear we need roads to get people and goods around. And luckily for now, this is, as far as I'm aware, not a legislation. This was just a policy. Um, and we're going to continue calling out the hypocrisy of this government and, and calling them out on their eco-activist agenda. And uh, in your mind, I guess, uh, what would your party do differently? Well, it, it's very clear that we cannot continue letting this NDP 
liberal government continue to uh, push forward radical ideas, we need to be working to, um, we've, we've laid out a very clear track of build the homes, stop the crime, fix the budget, and uh, this is something that this government seems to create crime and chaos everywhere they go and make life more difficult for Canadians, and we need to help Canadians get things back on track. I'm also seeing the quote here from Alberta Premier Danielle Smith, uh, who obviously a frequent quit- critic of uh, Stephen Gilbo, uh, also saying uh, most of us can't just head out the door and walk in the snow and rain uh, 10 kilometers to work each day. Uh, what are your thoughts on that comment? Well, and I think it just it, it goes and it speaks to the fact that many Canadians, many people throughout uh, Fort McMurray Cold Lake don't have the luxury of being able to walk to work. Um, they don't have the luxury of being able to walk to the grocery store. They don't have the luxury because the infrastructure doesn't exist. And even if it did exist, I'm sorry, in minus 50 when we had the polar vortex, even if the grocery store was pretty close, I don't think most people would choose to walk to the grocery store in those conditions. And so this completely ignores the reality of uh, Canada. If you had 30 seconds to share a message directly to Stephen Gilbo, what would you say? Resign. Simply put? Simply put. End the extreme and divisive policies and resign. All righty. Layla Goodridge, the uh, Member of Parliament for Fort McMurray Cold Lake. Anything else you'd like to add here today? No, and thanks for your time. Well, thank you again so much for making time for us today here on Fort McMurray Matters. All right. Talk to you later. That was our show for today. A big thank you to both Layla Goodridge and to Andrea Sandmeyer for joining the show for today. We have another busy show scheduled for tomorrow, so I hope you can join us for that. Thanks for listening to Fort McMurray Matters. I'm your host, Ryan McNeil.